Every Sunday afternoon is a, an ongoing debate in my soul. My family can tell you that living with me is uh, on a Sunday afternoon after I've preached is, is an adventure in, uh, in kindness. Because I spend Sunday afternoon sometimes. On my best days, I don't. But on my worst days, I spend the afternoon raking myself over the coals for the things I said or didn't say as a part of the sermon. Maybe, maybe I said that word, and maybe someone heard that wrong, and maybe when I said that, they heard it wrong, and it pushed them away from God, and maybe, 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 and guess how much on Sunday afternoon I can fix about what I said on Sunday morning? Zero. It doesn't stop me. It doesn't, it doesn't stop me from denying Christ every Sunday afternoon and trusting that Christ has been present in the proclamation and the reading of the scripture and in our being together. And I know that as I look back over the many years I've served St. James, and I'm in my 30th year, it's a long time, a lot of you have heard a lot of my sermons, good, bad, indifferent, uh, whatever, a form they took. Um, but as I look back over all that time, oftentimes the people who are most moved by my sermons heard things I'm convinced I never said. <laughs> uh, people approach me after a sermon and say, you know, James, boy, it was really, when you said that, I felt like you had read a part of my diary. And whatever they say, I said that they thought I had read a part of their diary is something I either don't remember saying or don't think I said. Uh, and I have a pretty steel trap of a memory. So I remember almost every word I've ever said, which is its own uh, uh, ugly side. The truth is, if you think, and if I think, that even denying Christ will separate me from God's love, I've missed the point. And I want to share with you about how resilient faith can be and why it can be resilient, why it can bounce back. Peter, who constantly and almost certainly throughout the ministry of Jesus from the time he was called, said whatever came to his mind was certain he would never let Jesus down. So certain that when Jesus says at the Last Supper, one of you is going to, uh, you know, betray me, and the rest of you are going to abandon me. And Peter's like, dude, I am never leaving. I am never walking away. I will never deny you. And Jesus says, before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. That is just so much hogwash, Jesus. That is not true. However, let us turn to, uh, today we're just going to look at Matthew. We could have looked at any of the Gospels for this story. Jesus has been taken away. Uh, he was alone praying with the other disciples. They all ran away. Jesus was taken into custody. And here we pick up with a part of the story. Now, Peter was sitting outside where Jesus was inside. Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came and said to him, 
You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before all of them, saying, I do not know what you're talking about. When he went out to the porch, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And Peter denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to him, Certainly you are also one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to curse. And he swore an oath, I do not know the man. At that moment, the cock crowed. Then Peter remembered what Jesus had said, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now, if you know anything about Peter, it's not even his name. Peter's name is Simon. Peter gets the nickname Peter, which means rock. It's like calling him Rocky. <laughs> he gets the name Rock because Jesus at one point says to this, always speaking first and thinking later guy, he says to him, upon a rock like this, I will build my church. I will call you Peter, the rock. I'll call you the rock. Now, Peter bounces back, and he's one of the most prolific early preachers and makes a, a huge difference in planting the church and extending the church. And he has changed even after Jesus has died and resurrected. He is changed by visions of a bigger world and all sorts of things. But how can Peter's faith be so resilient? How can he come back from denying Jesus with not only his life, but his words? When asked, I don't know the man, I don't know the man, and then some words, some choice words, it says he cursed. Uh, I can only imagine you can go to whatever curses you might know in your own language. Um, he curses and says, I swear I do not know the man. Now, of course, you may be saying like I did in the early part of the week, I knew this was a resilient week, a faith week, and it was Peter, and I'm thinking to myself, well, thank goodness I'm not like Peter. You know, I don't walk around and say, I don't know Jesus. In fact, I'm happy to tell anybody that I do. I'm just happy as a clam. I, yeah, I know that Jesus guy. Yeah, I know him completely. Oh, yeah, don't ignore the fact that I cut you off in traffic a little while ago or that I said something ugly to you a little while ago or that I slandered somebody else who was down the street because it was easy for me to say how ugly they were or how their dress looked stupid or it, forget all of that. And the funny thing is all of those things are denials of Jesus. All of those things are denials of Jesus. Any time that I denigrate another human being or that I denigrate myself 
or that I behave in a fashion other than a loving way, anytime I do those things, I deny Jesus. I deny him in the way that I live and in the words that I say and the things that I think about the people that think differently than I am. And any time that we have the audacity to think, I'm a better preacher than anybody else, or I'm a worse preacher than anybody else, I have denied Jesus yet again. Because in the end, the only thing I can say about myself is something that God said about God's self in the burning bush. I am who I am. That's all I am. Now, Pop, I said that too. But uh, I am who I am. I'm not better than anyone else. I am not worse than anyone else. I am simply me, and you are simply you. And there is nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing you can do to separate yourself from God, and that's why your faith can be resilient. Because you will always be loved even when you deny God. God did not stop loving Peter even as he said three times vehemently, I don't know the living Son of God. His denial was not enough to end God's love for him. I am convinced that even Judas's betrayal was not enough to end God's love for Judas. There is nothing you can do, including denying God, that will separate you from God's love. Now on the other side of that, this is not an excuse to run around denying God as much as possible, knowing that love never goes away. <laughs> it's not your job to run around and say, hey, how can I deny God today? Because you'll do it without thinking it. It will slip out of you. You will judge somebody else for what they've done, for who they voted for, for uh, what they said in public for what they said in private, you will judge someone or other for any number of reasons. You will take away their humanity and dehumanize them by calling them things, uh, other human beings things, like illegals. There's no such thing. I don't care who you are. I don't care what party you vote for. There is no such thing except to say that is to dehumanize the other. And when we dehumanize the other by calling them any name, we have denied Christ. We have denied Christ. When I point a finger at a different kind of Christian than me and call them a name because they don't believe the same thing as I do, I have denied Christ. But what's more, if I point my finger at an atheist or an agnostic or a Muslim or a Jew or a Hindu or a Buddhist or you name it, and I denigrate them because they are not me and they are not Christian, I have denied Christ yet again. Peter only did it three times. I do it multiple times every day. Whenever I think less of someone else, I have denied Christ. When I point my fingers and say, oh, those Republicans, or oh, those Democrats, 
or oh, those communists, or oh, those socialists, or oh, those, uh, you know, whoever. You think God's really invested in, a, in any particular form of government? No. Any particular economic system? No. Because anyone that says one more person is more important than another is a lie. Capitalism itself is a lie. We do it. It's, it's what we've got. But it says this one's more valuable because they have a billion pretend pieces of paper. And this one is less valuable because they have 10 pieces of pretend paper that we've agreed have some kind of value. Can you see how dangerous it is? Our lives are often a denial of everything we say, a denial of Christ. Because anything that's less than love is less than Christ. Any hate of any other for any reason whatsoever is denying Christ. Probably tired of that phrase. James, I'm tired of you telling me about denying Christ. What do you think the Ten Commandments are about? They're about denying Christ. If you can steal from your brother or sister or sibling of any kind, you have denied Christ. If you can lie about that sibling, you have denied Christ. If you've murdered that sibling, you have definitely denied Christ. If you covet what they have, or their spouse, or their children, or their fast car, or anything else, you've denied Christ. It's saying, what I am and what I have is not enough. I need something else in order to be me. And you don't need anything else than what you've already been given because God has made you, you. For a reason. You may, like me, ponder why God wouldn't make you. I told you, every Sunday afternoon, I ponder why God would make me and why I would say the things that I say. And I realize I am just doing my best. Sometimes my best doesn't feel good enough, but it's the best I've got in that moment. And to say that makes me less of a person is to deny Christ. When I do it, it's denial of Christ. And so if you think less of yourself, then the eternal being who made you to be you, you are denying Christ. When I look out every Sunday, I can see some faces. For a period of time, there were not a lot of faces that I could see because during the height of the pandemic, it was pretty much Mark and Joy, and Linda sat right there. And James and Megan were right behind me until later on when they moved out there. And that's all the faces I saw. But you know, the truth is, the Christ in me sees the Christ in you. In my best moments, in my best moments, the Christ in me sees the Christ in you. And the best moment, in my even best moments, I see the Christ in me too. And I don't deny, and when I don't deny Christ, 
That's good news. But deny or not, my faith can be resilient because the love never stops. No matter, no, no matter how many F-bombs you drop at work, God doesn't stop loving you. Heck, no matter how many you drop at home or in your car ride from home to work or work to home, God's love does not fail. 1 Corinthians 13, love never fails. I fail, I deny, but Peter's faith could be resilient because even his denial was an opportunity to be reminded that even making a public declaration, not once, not twice, but three times, was not enough to end God's love for him. Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I mean, Paul. Paul has his foibles, and sometimes I read him and I struggle with what he has to say. But Romans chapter 8 just makes me sing. From 28 on, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, and that's even the life of denial, nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing. And on face value, that sounds heretical because we've made it a transactional deal. Come to our church and you're in with God. Say yes to Jesus and you're in with God. I hate to tell you, but you're already in with God. Whether you came or not, whether you ever watched this video or not, you're already in with God. There is nothing you can do to be separated from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, nothing. Nothing. And if you think you are, it's your imagination. It's your imagination. I have a very vivid imagination and can concoct a number of reasons why I am separated from God. But periodically I am reminded, and this morning I was reminded, nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And that is why Peter was resilient in his faith. Even though he failed, his failure taught him what he needed to know. That even failure couldn't separate him from the love of God. Denial, betrayal, abandonment, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. I hope for you that you have a resilient faith, but even if you don't have a faith, you've got love. And I think in the end, what God hopes for from all of us is when we truly receive that love, we can give it back and we can give it away. It's no longer a condition. I'll love you if you look like me, act like me, vote like me, spend like me, marry me. It's now I can love you just because you are, just as you are.
God hopes to invade us just that much so that we can be the invasion force of love that sweeps away all the denials. Because we know that nothing can separate us from the love of God. My challenge to you is when you catch yourself saying something bad to yourself, about yourself, that you'll stop and remember. Maybe breathe. I am loved just as I am. When you catch yourself denying somebody else's humanity because of any reason you want to list, I hope you'll catch yourself. And remember, I am loved. And so is that person. Dear friends, may your faith be resilient. And if you do not yet have faith, may it be a gift you receive as you truly receive the love from which you can never be separated, ever. It's time for us to pray. And I know that I saw Linda furiously writing all of the prayer requests. Um, and so this week, I am fairly certain we have been texting with Donnie this morning. And so we are fairly certain that David is home. He really is. I'm not saying it this week. And he turns out he's in the hospital. At least when this text was received, David is home. And we are thankful that he's home. And he's doing well. He's getting better. So we're thankful uh, to hear that. Um, we are thankful at St. James to have uh, been able to, this last week, uh, have helped to feed families totaling 141 folks through the West End Food Pantry. Um, I want us to pray as we come into this season of Thanksgiving. I know it's November, and so I'm going to speak about a, a season that is beyond Thanksgiving. And I have all, these, have all these friends on Facebook who just like have gone ballistic. It's November. We can't talk about Christmas until after Thanksgiving. We can talk about Christmas every day. Christ is born in you every day. So that's Christmas. Christmas is the celebration of the birth of Christ. The birth of Christ is every day, in every one of us, all the time. Uh, so one of the things that we are going to do this year, once we have the list, uh, is we're going to help out Rising Hope again, as we did last year, uh, by getting gifts for some children in need connected to Rising Hope. So if you'd like to be a part of that, I want us to be in prayer before we have the list. But I want us to be in prayer for families in need at this time of year. It's starting to get cold. Uh, you know, and, and I'm talking about cold for everybody, not just me. You know, when it drops below 90 degrees, I start to think it's cold and start to wear long sleeves and multiple layers. But for the average person, it's not cold until it's like below 60 or cool. But it's been colder than that recently. 
And there are people who do not have homes who live on the street. I want us to pray that we'll make a difference in their lives in some way. I want us to pray for all those who are struggling in this time. For sadness, because of their own personal denial of God's love for them. I hope that we can model a kind of love that's bigger than our words. Supposedly, Francis of Assisi said, preach the good news all the time when necessary, use words. I want us to pray that our hands and our ears and our eyes and our feet will represent Christ everywhere we go. But even if we fail, we are infinitely loved. I want us to continue to pray for the divisions that we face in the world and in our country, the lines we draw that separate us. Because those lines are illusionary too, created in our minds. And I know it probably disappoints God, though God never stops loving us. We will begin to pray in silence. I will pray aloud for us, and then we'll pray the Lord's Prayer. There'll be a version of the Lord's Prayer that is on the screen behind me that you may use if you wish. But when we start saying the Lord's Prayer, just use whatever version you know. If you grew up with one, feel free. I sometimes lapse from the one that's on the screen behind us to the one I grew up with and back again, because that's how my mind works. And if you do it in your language, by the version you know, it'll be fine, because God will be just fine with whatever you do, including not praying, if you choose not to. But let's enter into a moment of silent prayer together. Gracious and eternal love, mystery beyond words. We stand before you recognizing that we're not convinced. Paul uses the words convinced, but we are not convinced that nothing separates us from your love. We're convinced that almost every mistake, morally or uh, accidentally or in word or in action or in thought somehow separates us. We are convinced that we are separate from you. We pray we could be a little bit more like Paul. But mostly we pray we could be a little bit more like you and like the person you made us to be. Each one of us is your love made into flesh. And we pray that we'll be able to live that love in the way that we are and the way we behave and the way that we think and the things that we speak. But even if we fail, and we will, we know. We want to know. 
deep inside of us that fail or not, you love us anyway. Because you do. Peter's resilient faith, of which we spoke today, is the kind of faith that we can have that even if we drop the ball, you love us. And we're thankful. God, we do pray for all those who are recovering at various points of recovery. Sharon is continuing to recover. Janet is continuing to recover. David is continuing to recover. We're thankful and hold them in our hearts as a special part of our community. We ask, oh God, that you would help us to be your people in this season. We pray for those in need, those who feel alienated, broken, lost, and alone, that we might build the bridges that you've called St. James to build. We want to be the bridge builders at the intersections of every moment of everyday life. Keep our eyes open and us awake to the possibility of being loved wherever we are, as you've called us. It's overwhelming for us to know how loved we are. Perhaps that's why we deny it so often. We can't imagine the kind of love that would make everything, including us, and love us even when we blow it. And yet that's who you are. Guide and direct our time together for the rest of our worship and also guide and direct us as we leave this place or the space we are online to be your people. May we always be loved and remember that we are loved even when we aren't the love you call us to be. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, the same Jesus who taught us when we pray together that we could pray in this way. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.